Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I'll read a Bible verse then we're going to get into the word uh, for uh, today. If you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Don't don't sit yet, but I'll have you sit in just a second. If you you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Daniel, chapter 3. And then I will, uh, I'll, I'll give you the title of my message, and then you'll high-five a couple of people, and then you'll sit, and then you'll sit down. Okay, Daniel chapter 3. Just some background. We're about to read the story of a young man, of three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, these young men are government employees. They work for the government of Babylon, uh, federal employees, great benefits, and uh, their uh, king, King Nebuchadnezzar, just passes a law that they cannot in good conscience submit to. It's a law that says, well, he had just, he was a little bit full of himself, so he built a 90-foot statue made of gold, completely of gold, and he wants everybody to worship it every time they hear music. Could you imagine that? Every time a song came on the radio, you'd have to pull over, get out your car, find out where the direction of the statue was, bow down and worship it, right? And, uh, and so these young men can't do that because these young men love God. And the Bible says, don't worship anyone or anything other than God. And so we jump into the story at the point where Nebuchadnezzar finds out that, uh, that three of the people on his payroll are not submitting to his new law. <clears throat> and he goes like this, verse 13. My version might be a little different than the one you have on the screen, but it's about the same. Uh, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of the gods I have set up? Now, I'm going to play music one more time, and when you hear it, I'm going to give you one last chance to bow down and worship. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, don't even worry about it. Keep the musicians where they are. We don't even got to defend ourselves to you because we are not going to worship your statue. And if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. No, scratch that. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, somebody say, even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I want to talk to you today about the times in our lives where we are not in control of the outcome. You know, the times where it seems like someone else is running our fate and they decide, you know what I mean? Like you get the diploma and you fill out the application and you're going for the interview, but you don't get to decide if you get the job. Where like you put your house on the market, you paint the walls, you patch the holes, but you don't get to decide if it sells. Or, or you, you, you take out a loan, you leave your job, you open the business, but you don't get to decide if anybody comes. Or you feel dizzy, you go to the doctor, he wants to run some CAT scans on you, but you don't get to decide the result of those CAT scans. I want to talk to you about the uncertain times in life because we do live in uncertain times. 
uncertain in our November elections, uncertain in our safety in times of terror, uncertain in our future and the safety of our children. And sometimes anxiety can steal a lot of the joy that God wants to give us and he always planned on giving us when he died on the cross. And so here's what I want you to do on Monday morning. I want you to tell your anxiety the title of this morning's talk. I want you to look your depression in the eye, your worry and the, the weight of your worry and your anxiety. And I want you to look at your anxiety come Monday, next time it sneaks in, next time you worry about what's going to happen. And I want you to tell your anxiety, tell it, I will outlast the outcome. I will outlast the outcome. Amen. Tell three people, outlast the outcome. Outlast the outcome. Outlast the outcome. Thank you, worship team, for an amazing set. And give it up for the worship team while you find your seats as well. Amen. We have an amazing worship team. Love them. So good. Man, I cannot remember, probably launch day, but I cannot remember a time when I have been more excited to preach a message probably be, you know I'm excited when I pull out the whiteboard, y'all, okay? The whiteboard, you, we're going to get deep. We got a whiteboard, all right? It's going to get real here. Um, I'm really excited about because I really feel like if there's one thing we can all relate to in life, it's uncertainty. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I needed to do this at the beginning because every Sunday we have brand new guests. My name is JJ, and I'm the lead pastor here at Journey Church. Thank you for coming. Um, I got to say that because we are growing every single Sunday. We're seeing brand new people. Just a quick praise report. Uh, this is our third week of church existence, if you don't know that. And we have seen over, we have seen 58 people come back home to Jesus Christ, make decisions to follow Jesus. 58 people in just two weeks. We believe God's going to keep adding to that number. But I was saying, I feel like if there's one thing we can all relate to in life, it's uncertainty. I'm looking at these young men's stories and I'm thinking, man, I can kind of see, because they're in the situation that a lot of us are in. They're in a situation where, a decision needs to get made, and it's a decision that's going to affect their life, and they don't get to make that decision. Now, that sucks when somebody else has the power to make decisions that affect your life. But there they are, and it seems like in the beginning of their speech, their faith is evolving, but then it looks like their faith crashes. They, they look at King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, God is able to save us. Well, that's cool. God is able but then they get real bold. And then they say, God will save us. Well, that's cool. They went from able to will. That's powerful. But then it's like their faith takes a no dive. They went from can to will to, but if he don't. They like, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? If he doesn't, you know. And, uh, and, and I, got, I just want, I gotta, I want to talk about that because it looks like that's the weakest part of that sentence faith-wise, but it's actually the strongest part of that sentence faith-wise. Here's why. Some people believe that God can make anything happen. Few people believe that God will make anything happen, but even fewer believe in God no matter what happens. That takes real faith. That takes real faith. And the Bible says that all three of them were saying it. Now, what the Bible really means to say is that one guy was saying it and the other two guys were saying amen. Yeah. That's what you do when I preach, by the way. You say amen when I preach. There's a talkback church. And so if I say something you like, you say amen. All right? So let's just say, like, free pizza at the end of service. Amen. amen. There's not. Okay? There is not. But just wanted to practice, make sure we all know how this amen thing works. Now that we know, I can go back to the word. So 
this guy's a t-. so I'm going to assume one of them is talking. And for the you know, sake of argument, I'm going to assume Shadrach was the one talking because he's the first name that the Bible mentions. And so I could picture Shadrach just getting bold. You ever get bold like, and say something you regret? <laughs> but in the moment of your boldness, you just went ahead and said it anyway. And it sounded better in your head than it did in the atmosphere. You know, I can picture Shadrach getting up there and saying, God can save us. And the guy next to him going, amen. And then he's like, nah, yo, I got this. I got this. God will save us. And then one was like, amen. And then, and then, then he get crazy. Then he gets crazy. Then he goes, but if he doesn't. And then the guy was like, hey, man. <laughs> nah, man, what you talking about? I'm with the canon. I'm with the will. But what you mean if? Let's go back to the, let's go back to the yes and the will and the what happened there, and and, and that's important, right? Because I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Imagine that you're sick and you call us at the church and you say, "Hey, can somebody come pray for me?" And and I get there, one of our pastors get there, and we start praying for you, right? It's not very encouraging. If we get there, and we go, God, uh, I believe you can heal Tom. No, in fact, God, I believe you will hear heal Tom. Um, but if you don't, Tom's had a great life. And help him get his affairs in order, Lord. Make sure he has his will written and his uh, IRA and his 401k is the trustees are written down in that. And uh, just, just do that, God, right? You would be upset. Tom would be upset. You'd probably look at me, especially if you're new to church, you'd probably look at me and you'd be like, well, pastor, what, where is the magic potion? And um, why can't you just make me like jump in the Jordan River somewhere in Israel? Or I gotta get on a plane. Um, I think I heard something about oil. I got some uh, some Crisco uh, in the in the closet. Can I just pour that on me? And then I think Jesus spit at somebody one time. Can you just spit on me? Like, um, and here here's here's why I I make that you know kind of funny analogy because you're not really frustrated with the pastor. Listen, you're frustrated that the pastor can't do more. And the reality is that there are two types of problems in our lives, okay? There are the problems we can control. Okay, actually, I'm going to write that on top of the circle there. If you're you're listening to this on the podcast, we have a podcast now, guys. Yeah. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you're missing an awesome whiteboard display. So that's why you got to get here in church, okay? Two types of problems, guys. There are the problems we can control, and there are the problems, don't say it with me, that we can't, can't control. Now, the problems we can control, we don't really worry about those too much because, well, we can control them. So, for example, getting to work in the morning, nobody really stresses over getting to work in the morning. Going to work, you might stress about if you don't like your job or you don't like your boss. But getting there, you don't stress getting to work because you have a car, you have a vehicle, you have a means of transportation, right? Unless you rely on public transportation. If you rely on public transportation, how many people by a show of hands have ever had to take a bus to work? Come on. So you know what I'm talking about. If you rely on public transportation, then all of a sudden, transportation becomes a worry. Why? Because you can't control it. The bus could show up late. The bus could not show up at all. We tend to stress out over the things that we can't control. And this is bad because if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm thirsty, I drink. If I have an itch, I scratch it. But how do you address something that by definition is unaddressable? How do you meet a need that by definition you have no ability to address? You have no ability to 
fix. It can be frustrating. Compound the fact that there are a lot of things in life that fall in this category. Some serious, some not so serious. I'll start with the not so serious things that we can't control, but that stress us out. Here's one, and before I write this one, I want to let you know this one is responsible for divorce, alcoholism, drug addiction, bankruptcy. I thought you said it wasn't serious. Well, it shouldn't be, but Sports. <laughs> I get so mad at how mad I get watching sports. I get so mad. And, and I don't know why I get mad. They don't care about me. Not only do they not care about me, my shouting at the TV, they don't care about that either. And it doesn't work. And, but, 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 how many times do I have not slept because my team has lost games? Come on, make some noise if you know what I'm talking about. Listen, my team lost. When, sometimes when my team, I hate to admit this because I'm a pastor. When my team loses, sometimes my prayer life gets affected. Okay? My wife will come out looking all, you know, talking about, hey, boys are asleep. And I'm like, Jets lost, babe. I can't. All right, I'll. I get so upset, especially if you do fantasy football. Anybody do fantasy anything, fantasy sports? That's the worst because they make you think you have control. And so you pick the players, you do the research, but then he breaks his leg in the first quarter, and you're like, all right. No control, right? Yet it affects so much of our peace, right? Here's another one. Affects our, our, people have been killed over this next one. Not so serious. We've been killed over it. Are you ready? Traffic. Tra I get mad at how mad I get at traffic. I'm in my car and I'm like, why can't you go? And that guy, if I would think about it for a second, is thinking the same thing about the guy in front of him. We're all thinking that. We're all in the same boat. But I get all upset. Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you making a laugh? Why doesn't your car have wings or propellers? Why have they not invented transportation? <laughs> I can't get, I, I understand traffic, but you can't do anything about traffic, can you? If you want to keep your license. Yet, even though we can't control it, we lose our mind over it, right? Until we see the ambulance, then we start feeling guilty. Just me? Okay, I'll be honest. Love you. We'll be like, man, why is nobody moving? Why is nobody? Oh, dear God. Pray for that person, Lord. God help me. And then you feel like a jerk because you were more concerned about getting your job on time than whether or not that person's alive. But there are some things that are serious in our lives that we also can't control, but that also steal our joy. This little thing taking place in November called an election, for example. Now, I, I, you know, I believe in voting. I'm a voter. I studied one of my majors. I, I majored in political science in college, University of Florida, go Gators. And I um, am a believer in the political system. I'm all about it. And I get to vote, and I get to, you know, encourage people to vote. But outside of that, I have no real control over who the president of the United States becomes. Yet I know people who are losing their mind over who or who isn't going to be the next president of the United States. And I'm like, well, I get it, but you can't control it, really. Why do we stress over it so much, right? Things like, this is for all my single people in the house, being single, 
You can put on makeup, you can lift weights, but you cannot control if somebody wants to spend the rest of their life with you. Just want you to know that. And, and this is not the problem. I want to encourage you, okay? Because when you realize that you can't force someone to fall in love with you, you start focusing on other people and you start focusing on yourself, which is good because you can work on you instead of trying to work on everybody else. I mean, you can try and force it to happen, but it never works, right? And, uh, and, so, and so there are things also that we think we can control, but we actually can't control. Also, that, and this is another category. So here's something that we think we can control. We think we can control our finances, and to an extent, we can. Like, everybody in this room should have a budget, okay? You shouldn't be at the end of your month thinking about where did all my money go? You know where it went. McDonald's, okay? And movie theaters and fast food and finances, right? So, but, but, but even if you do all the right things, just ask the people who tried to retire in 2008 how much of their financial status was under their control. They had saved money for 30 years. The Great Recession hit and lost it all. You think finances is something you can control, but you actually can't. Even your financial situation, I mean, you can save money, you can invest in stocks, you can put it away, but somebody could steal your money. You could lose those investments. The economy could crash and you'd lose all your money that you thought, you could get sick. Which, by the way, that's another one. Some people swear like they could control their health. But you know that you can't. Yes, you can eat right. Yes, you can diet. Yes, you can exercise. But I know people who are ripped, jacked, run eight miles a day, have cancer. I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. I'm just trying to give you perspective. Not even your health is something you can control. And then when it's all said and done, we look at it, and then we get real sad because we, we, we look at it, and we go, wow, the things that I thought I can control are actually a lot smaller than what I thought. And now let's just call all these things, because here's a good way to summarize, let's just call these things outcomes, because they are outcomes. This is a depressing diagram. I get that. So you're telling me all these things that matter so much to me, I can do nothing about, and then here's this little circle, this is all I have? Yes, that's terrible news. No, that's not, that's great news. Why? I wanna encourage you today, why? Because you can be person A or person B. Person A is a person, look at me, whose peace, whose peace is dependent on the outcome. Someone who says, I'll be happy if my team wins. I'll be happy if I get to work on time. I'll be happy if my candidate or my party wins. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I make more money. I'll be happy when I get healthy. You could be a person whose peace is dependent on the outcomes, but then you're a slave to your circumstance. Or you can be a person whose peace is above the outcome. Who says, it doesn't matter who wins, when I get, who, because my, my, my peace is not attached to the outcomes that happen around my life. And I want to encourage you and teach everybody in this room today how to be someone whose peace is not dependent on the outcomes, but above the outcomes. And here's how you do that. Real simple. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you two things, but real simple. You got to focus on what you can control instead of what you can't control. And here's, and, and you got to focus on what you can control and what you can't control. And what you can control, and here's my first point. So if you have those, those worship guys, just turn it over where it says notes. You got a pen. Just write this down. Here's what you can control. Are you ready? You can't control your outlook. Put it up on the screen. You can't control your, your outcome, but you can control your outlook. You can't control your outcome, 
but you can control your outlook. You know, my, my boys, Justice and Zane, for the longest time, um, hated the rain. I hated it. And I remember the day when it started. We were supposed to go to Animal Kingdom, and we were in the kitchen. And they said, I want to go to Animal Kingdom. And I said, Papa, we can't go. He said, why not? I said, because it's raining. And ever since that day, whenever it rained, regardless where we were going, we could be in the car. When it rained, they would both just bawl hysterically. Just start crying. The rain is here. I don't like the rain. It's raining. The rain. I'm like, oh, my God. I have a lunatic for a child. This is... Sometimes, your parents know, there have been times when you have questioned whether or not your child is sane or demon-possessed. You've had those moments, okay? Don't even front. And then when you have kids, you'll know, all right? Especially when you throw them fits. My God, it's like the, we've, at that point, we brought the Bible and the oil for real. Just, anyway, so I one day had enough of it. One day, we're in the kitchen, and it's raining, and they're both hysterically crying. And so I... And so I get this great idea. I go, all right, come here, come here, come here. I get Justice and I get Zane. I take him, come on. I took it to the front of my, my living room where there's a lake in front. Now, I don't have a Lakeview house. Your pastor's not balling like that, okay? Um, but I have a house that is across the street from a house that has a lake. And I can, I can see, I can see the lake, though, from where I live. So I like to tell people I have a Lakeview house, but it's really a lake long-distance view house. So I have it and I see it and I... And I and I took him, I said, I said, Papa, you see that lake? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, do you see the rain? He said, yeah. I said, all right, do you know who lives in the lake? He looked at me like confused. I said, fishes. His eyes got a little wide because he loves fishes. He loves animals. That's why he wanted to go to Animal Kingdom. Loves fishes. He looks at me like waiting for the next piece of wisdom. that I'm going to him. He goes, fishes. I go, yeah. And I go, and do you know that the rain fills up the lake so that the fishes have a home. Without lying, without exaggerating, and God is my witness. He went from, baby, remember, he went from, to, yay, rain! I love the rain! The rain is great! The rain is great! And to this day, when it rains, he celebrates the rain. Yay! The fishes have a home, Zane! The fishes have a home. They have, they have rain. Here, why do I tell you that story? Because I saw my son was sad, and I wanted to do everything that I could to change the circumstance for my son so that he wouldn't be sad. But I couldn't stop the rain from falling. And so I told myself, well, if I can't control the outcome, maybe I can change his outlook. I can't control what's happening, but maybe I can control the way he sees what's happening. You got to understand, you might not control what's going around you, i.e. the outcome, but you can control the way you see it. I have no control over who wins the election in November. I mean, yeah, I can vote. I can start a Facebook fan page, and I can, you know, spend some money on advertising, boost some posts, and try and get more people to vote. But at the end of the day, I don't have a say. So since I don't have a say over the outcome, let me not worry about the outcome and start worrying about my outlook.
Instead of saying, boy, I'll be mad if Trump wins, or boy, I'll be mad if Hillary wins, why not say, boy, am I glad Jesus won? Because whoever wins might be the president for the next four years, but from the beginning of time to forever of time, the king of kings, the ruler of the universe sits on his throne. Boy, am I glad that the real person who's in control doesn't, get, doesn't have to get reelected every four years. Change your outlook if you can't control your outcome. Instead of being upset that you're single, and God, why don't you send me somebody? And God, where's this man at? And God, where's that girl at? And I'm a little upset, God, because you're making me wait longer than I want to wait. But instead of worrying about the outcome of when Mr. or Mrs. Wright is going to come along, why not thank God and look at that time instead of a time of singleness as a time of working on yourself? Why don't you look at God and say, God, thank you for giving me the time to work out my issues. Because I got issues, Lord. And to be honest, if you gave me my man right now, I probably wouldn't be able to keep my man. Yeah, the only people laughing are married people. Single people are like, dang, pastor. Dang, why you got to talk to me like that? I'm never coming back here again. You need to hear it. He's not cursing you with your singleness. He's blessing you. He said, I could give them to you, but if I gave them, he gone. He is gone. Look, relook at your situation. Change your outlook. Hey, you know what? Times were tough. Your boss fired you. He laid you off. Nothing you can do about that. You were a great worker. It was out of your control. But instead of complaining about your boss and the fact that you got fired, why don't you change your outlook and say, man, boy, am I glad he fired me? Because now I get to start that business I've always dreamed of. Yeah, sounds a little crazy, sounds a little silly. Some people, they're thinking, well, you're a little overly optimistic. Yeah, but what choice do we have? To worry about the things I can't control or to focus on the things that I can control? I got no choice but to be optimistic. I got no choice but to look to the bright side. I got no choice but to think that better things are coming because it's the only thing I can control. The only thing what I see, that's the only thing I can control. And so change it. Don't make excuses. Don't be mad. Make plans. Going back to the sports analogy. Did you know, uh, I often watch sports, I love watching sports, as you can tell in my, in my, my thing there. Uh, I've noticed, I love watching ESPN, I love watching after the game. Because I love watching the team I don't like explain why they lost. And I don't watch ESPN if my team lost. Anybody, again, sports people, you know, if your team loses, you don't watch ESPN for three days, okay? You wait for the next team to lose, then you get back onto the, to the cable watching network. But, but you, you don't do that if your team loses. And so, but when the other team loses, I'll, first thing, I'll watch ESPN for three hours after my team wins. Because I want to hear the people who, who lose speak. Um, and, and I've noticed that when they lose, they either say one of two things when they lose. This is great. And then you test me. This is, there's really no third answer. It's either one or two things. The first one, uh, they'll say, the first one, I can, it's, a, it's, a, it's an outlook. The, the first one is an is a outlook answer. It's a player who's got a great outlook. He loses, but he says, yeah, um, we lost, you know. And then they'll say this. They'll say, the other team was just better today. Have you ever heard a player say that or a quarterback say that? The other team was just better today. They were better. I love that because that outlook says they're better than me, so I'm not going to see my loss as a loss. I'm going to see my loss as an alarm, as a, as a wake-up call, as an opportunity to get better. 
And because they think the other person is better, they go home not upset but excited. I'm going to practice, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to study film, and I'm going to get better. They're practicing, but their practice is a product of their outlook. It's because they see the loss in a way that encourages them and gives them life instead of seeing their loss as something that they're pressing. Now, that's good. These guys are going to win championships one day. Okay? Come on, Jets. Um, but, the, but the people who are focused on the outcomes, they never, ever admit responsibility. They lose but swear that they're better. They'll lose, and then they'll say, the first thing they'll say is, well, we're the better team. Well, the scoreboard don't say that. Well, we're the better team. And then they say this, they say this, they say, why did you lose then? And they say, always, blame it on the ref. Blame it on the ref. If I'd have gotten that one call, if I'd have gotten that one, if the kicker had made that one kick, like, it's your team, but you don't take ownership. If the kicker made that one kick, if the ref would have made that one call, then we would have won. I don't need to practice because we're already great. We already got this. Uh, 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 it's, it's the outcome that needs to change, not my outlook, the outcome. And this is a dangerous place to be because these people will never practice. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You want to be an outlook person and not an outcome person because people who are outcome-centric never move. They just wait for their circumstances to get better. They just wait for the right ref. They wait for the right, and they keep telling themselves, I just need my big break. I just need my moment. I just need my time. If I get that, then everything will be in place. I just need, they're, they're, they, they say things like, uh, they look at their life and they say, if I only had rich parents. Okay, well, you don't. And you can't control that. You had, you had a mom, you had a dad. Maybe you had a mom, maybe you had a dad. Maybe you didn't have the best parents in the world. You know what? There are people in the Bible who didn't have the best parents in the world, but they made it work. Well, if I only had a, well, no, but you don't, okay? If I only had a better teacher, then I would have passed that class, <laughs> okay? But you don't. You got the teacher you got. And so, so do something about it. Did everybody else fail in your class? No. <laughs> so then what? Explain that to me. If only I was taller. But you're not. And furthermore, you're done growing. So what now? What are you going to do? Are you going to wear are you pumps? What are you going to do? Are you going to wear heels? What are you going to do? Are you going to put socks in your shoes? I don't understand. What now? Okay, you can't control it. You're not six foot three. You're not six foot four. Are you going to stand there and complain about life around you? Or are you going to do something? What are you going to do? you got to control it. If only I was in charge. But you're not. You're not in charge. Then I changed. But you're not. So do what you can from where you are, and God will promote you. But until then, do what you can. Control it. It's your outlook. It's all you have. See these people right here? These people, these can't control it. They're if-only people. If-only. 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 Don't be an outcome-centric if-only person. Be an outlook people. These people, they're not if-only. These people are... Even if, even if, even if I'm broke and ain't got no money, I'm still going to take my wife out on a date. McDonald's and Netflix, what, what? We're going to make this work because I will not let the outcome of my financials determine the romance of my relationship. 
I'm not going to let it. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to control it. Even if I have a bad teacher, I'm going to study. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to read the book two times. I'm going to let the book teach me. Forget the teacher, but I'm not going to let the outcome of my scheduling impact my education. Even if, even if I got two months to live and I'm sick and I've just been diagnosed with something that's going to you know, take me, that's not going to stop me from writing my book. I'm not going to let a diagnosis keep me from having an impact on the world. Don't be an if-only person. Be an even-if person. Somebody who looks at the outcomes and says, yeah, that's true. 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 But, but you know what? That don't matter. Because I'm still here. You got to learn the difference between the fact and the truth. These might all be facts, but they don't have to determine your life. They don't have to determine where you are. Be outlook people, even if, no matter, I will, even if I'm serving at this church and, and, I, and I don't get paid, nobody gets paid, just so you know, not even me. We don't get paid and, and I'm serving coffee and I'm here at 7 a.m. in the morning setting up. I don't care, even if, because I get to make a difference in the lives of hundreds of people every Sunday morning, even if, even if they don't pay me, even if nobody says thank you, which we do, I'm going to do it because I'm going to be a part of something bigger. Even if people have the ability to look past their present circumstances to the potential of an awesome future. They never let the today ruin what they believe tomorrow can be. Be an outlook person. You can't control your outcome, but you can control your outlook. And here's my last one. And don't show the slide yet, but, but I've got to tell you, this right here, the outlook, outcome thing, that's got to be one of the most encouraging things I've preached in the existence of this church, even if it's only our third week. <laughs> Is that what I did there with the even if? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, even if. Even if. Okay? I believe that. But this next point that I'm going to share with you, listen. This next point that I'm going to share with you has the potential, depending on your outlook, to be one of the most encouraging things that you hear. My second and last point, one of the most encouraging things that you hear or one of the most depressing. For real. And so brace yourself. Wait, wait till the totality of my, uh, my talk today before you hear exactly what, what I want to share with you. But, but again, it can be one of the most depressing or encouraging, but the first point that you were writing down, and I want, hopefully you wrote that down, is you can't control your outcome, but you can control your outlook. Here's the second point, okay? You, you can't, come on, let's put it up there. You can't choose, you can't choose your fate, but you can choose to have faith. This is good, y'all. Like, real good. You can't choose your fate or the fate of the ones you love, but you can choose to have faith. Now, some of you skeptical guys who don't like preachers, you're probably like, this is exactly what preachers do. They say the same thing in a different sense and expect you to say amen. <laughs> that sounds a lot, Pastor. That sounds a lot like you can't control your outcome, but you can't control your outlook. That sounds a lot like it. No, it's not. It's actually completely different. You know why? Now we pull out the red marker. Red for the blood <laughs> of Jesus. Here, 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 here's why it's different. Here's why it's different. Here's why it's different. I didn't mean to scare you with that, by the way. If you're, if you're new to church, we don't kill animals or anything like that here, okay? I don't know what you've heard. Right? We crazy, but we ain't crazy, all right? Here's why that's different. Why? Because your outlook 
look at me, look at me. You got to catch this. This is where, this is where it comes. Your outlook, your outlook takes your focus over what, from, from what you can't control to what you can control. That's what outlook does. It forces you to look at, take your eyes off of what you can't control onto what you can control. Okay? That's what outlook does. But faith, faith is something different. Faith takes your eyes off of what you can't control, and it takes your eyes off of even what you can control, and it puts it onto who controls it all. That's real good. Outlook says, I can't do that, but I can do this. Faith says, I can do that, and that sucks, and I'm trying to do this, but I suck at this too. And this isn't going the way I planned for it to happen, and now this is happening. I understand I can't control that, but even the things I can control are not working right now. Awesome. You don't need outlook then. What you need and what you can control is your faith. Because faith says it doesn't matter what you can't control. And it doesn't even matter what you can control because somebody's in control. Because somebody's in control. They're in control. Somebody named God. Goodness gracious. Let me read you a Bible verse. Uh, I can open it up, but I can put it on the screen too. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You got to listen to this. This verse, this passage is amazing. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So you see the word comfort like a million times there, okay? I don't even count it. This scripture passage is about comfort. But for being a passage about comfort, it sure does take a weird turn. Right here, let's go. Verse 5. For the more we suffer, hold on. We were just talking about comfort. Now we're talking about suffering. What's going on? Is this a verse on suffering or is this a verse on comfort? Because you can't have comfort in your suffering. Or can you? For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, the things you can't control, it is for your comfort and salvation. What? Next verse. Verse 8, we think you ought to know, dear brothers, Paul is writing this back to the church in Corinth who was sending him supplies, and he wants them to know your supplies were needed because we were having a tough time out here. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Thank you for your gifts, but we needed every bit of it. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Did you catch that? Now this makes sense, right? He said there were things, there were troubles that were happening to us. Things we can't control. And then he said, and it got so bad that it even went beyond our ability to endure. It even surpassed the things we can't control. And now we're stuck. The things I can't control aren't going good. And even the things I can control are going bad. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Let's stop right there. This is a verse on comfort. A passage on comfort, but Paul is talking about comfort 
in suffering beyond what you can't control and can't control. He's making a connection, and he's saying, we thought we would never live through it. We thought we were going to die. You see, a lot of times, the anxiety of uncertainty, I like that term. If you're taking notes, write that down. A lot of times, the anxiety of uncertainty kills us. I don't know what's going to happen. If someone would just tell me what would happen, I'd be all right. In fact, I don't even care what the answer is. Just tell me what will happen. Will my wife get healed? Will my baby get healed? Will I get that job? Will I be able to just tell me what's going to happen? Paul says there's a way to find comfort in your suffering. I did it, he says, but I did it when I accepted the worst case scenario. Now, 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 I know what you're thinking. Why would anybody want to accept the worst case scenario? You need to, and I'm going to explain why. Not, not accept it like it's going to happen, but accept the possibility of it happening when things are out of your control, even the things you can control don't good. What does that mean? Okay, that means this. That means I might, I don't, I don't speak this over anybody's life, okay? I don't speak this over anybody's life. I'm just saying, you got to accept. Um, I might never get well. I might. See, it'd be easier for me as a preacher. It doesn't get a lot of amens, and I get that. It'd be easier for me as a preacher to say, God will heal you, and God can heal you. But what if he doesn't? You know, that whole even if he doesn't thing? And so let's just explore these possibilities. Um, you might never get better. You might never. Your child that you're praying to come back to Christ, I'm praying with you. But you know what? We got to at least be open to the possibility. That might never, might never. What then? That job that you, that dream job, NBA, MLB, ministry, full-time worship, preacher, whatever, opening a business. Awesome, man. Hey, I pray that with you, opening your own fitness studio. I pray that with you. But, but what if it never, ever happens? What will you do then? What will you do then after you work hard and you put in all the, you do everything that you can control and it still doesn't happen? What then? Paul said, when I finally came to accept the possibility of my worst case scenario, I actually found peace and comfort. How? That sounds crazy. That sounds stupid. I don't know. But you know what? I can say amen to that. Because last year, a doctor told me that my son might or might not make it another week in my, in my wife's womb. Gave me a diet. And for the whole seven months that he was in her belly, every time we went to the doctor, they kept telling us, he should pass away next week. He should pass away next week. He shouldn't even be alive. And every time we had to get home, and I would just, we would just tell each other, right? We would just tell each other. If they could just tell us that he would be gone, I would be happier with an answer than, than, the, than the anxiety of uncertainty. But you know what? One day we got home and we said, you know what? I, I don't know. I can't control it. We're doing everything we can control. Now we got to. The things I can't do anything about, I can't do anything about. The things I can't do anything about, we're already doing it. We're going to the appointments. We're doing the sonograms. We're taking the medicine. We're taking the... But you know what? Now what? Now comes faith. I asked the Lord for an illustration because I know this is hard to get your mind around. What do you mean except the worst case scenario? I will never, ever. Okay, but hold on. So I, I was praying. I said, God, I need some kind of illustration to get this idea across. Help me. And this is what the Lord gave me. The best I can do because this really is a mystery comfort in suffering, but it's the best I can do. Anybody ever been to Cirque du Soleil? Raise your hand if you even know what that is. You know what that is. Cirque du Soleil is this acrobatic uh, circus type of display. You can see it at Disney Springs um, next to the House of Blues. They have it there. It's an amazing show where these people are doing crazy stuff. My wife and I went. We actually went twice because we loved it so much. And there's this one part of the act 
where there's a guy on a bike, not impressive, right? But he's riding his bike on a tightrope. You know, the tightrope that goes across the thing? He's riding his bike on a tightrope. And I'm watching this guy, and, and I'm thinking, this is amazing. So cool. And he goes across it one time. And I'm like, wow. But then he goes back into the middle, and he starts doing tricks, like wheelies, like jumping on the tightrope. Now, mind you, there's no flash photography allowed in this arena because when you're hopping on a tightrope on a bicycle, you kind of need to be focused. And so in the middle of his jump, someone shoots a photo. The guy did what he could do. He took control. He had practiced. He had worked hard. And he almost fell, but he balanced himself. It was amazing. The way he caught himself was even more amazing than him almost falling. But it was so amazing that other people started taking pictures of him almost falling. So now there was one, but after he almost fell, it was And the guy, you know that moment? Anybody ever fall before? Anybody ever fall in slow motion? Like, you know you're gonna fall? because there's no coming back. Like the balance has already been off thrown and just no way you're gonna redeem that. Like, and there comes a point like, like mid fall where you're like, dang, it's gonna happen. Like, I'm falling. That was the look on this guy's face. I could see it, I had great teeth. I looked at, now let me ask you, put yourself in his shoes. What would you be thinking right now? You're mid fall. Mid-fall, are you thinking about your kids? Who's going to raise them? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to take them to their baseball games? Who's going to walk my daughter down the aisle? Are you thinking about your will? The money that I have, it's not a lot, but I want to make sure my kids have it. Did I make a will? I don't even think I did. Who's going to get it? Are you thinking about your legacy? Man, I hope I had a positive impact on a lot of people's lives. Are you afraid and terrified? Probably. But you know what the look on this guy's face was? Peace and comfort. You know why? I left out the best part of the story. Well, it might not be the best, but it's definitely the most important. What's that? I forgot to tell you. There was a net at the bottom. I want you to read this verse 9. Verse 9. In fact, we expected to die. And as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. We just said, I can't anymore. And when I did that, I learned to rely. <sighs> Jesus. I learned to rely on God. And I remembered, even if I die, God raises the dead. Ooh. Somebody needs to hear that this morning that the worst case scenario in your mind actually might happen. But even if, even if it does, you have a God in heaven who is able to catch you if you fall, to pick you up and get you on your feet and give you hope and mercy and grace and a new life and keep you going. You are not alone. And you can choose. You might not get to decide if you fall. But you can choose to believe somebody will catch you.
Somebody will catch your son. Somebody will catch your finances. Somebody will catch your wife. Somebody will catch your job. Somebody will catch your education. Somebody will catch your business. Somebody will catch your family. Somebody, name God, will catch you like that net. So if you feel like you're falling today, let me encourage you. Believe somebody's going to catch you. My God is there. This is the greatest argument for the necessity of God to the human condition that I could ever think of. I say that because I know we're in Winter Park and we have a lot of great educated people who call this church home. And sometimes we have a problem reconciling everything we've learned in school with the greatness of God. But just look at your own human heart to figure out why God, why we need God. Because who else brings that kind of comfort? What else in life can give you that kind of peace? No one, nothing, but to believe that God is in control is the most, is the greatest. And here's what you get to do. When that man was falling, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to grab the rope. This is what he did when he was falling. It should have been the most terrifying moment of his life. But you know what he did when he was falling? He went hands up. I don't know how they teach it, but I saw it. He went hands up and just you could tell he was surrendering whatever may come may come whatever may be may be I know I'm going to be okay because I will I will I will oh now now you got a phrase for Monday I will doesn't matter what the doctor says I will it doesn't matter what's in my bank account I will it doesn't matter how I feel I will it doesn't matter if the if the bill is not getting paid for three months and now the creditors are calling and they're wondering when they're going to get them it doesn't matter because I will outlast the outcome of my situation it doesn't matter what's going on I will outlast the outcome because there's somebody who is greater it's not about what I can't control come on somebody stand on your feet today as we pray it's not about what I can't control and it's not even about what I can control it is about who is in control and my God is in control I don't gotta worry I don't gotta doubt I don't gotta be afraid I don't gotta be scared I can just lift my hands Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.